Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. And we are here today. There's just a couple of us uh, here today. This yeah, is just a... Could be uh, pastors of the desk today. There's two of us at the desk. <laughs> yeah. Across from each other. No one else is here right now. So it's just me and Tim right now. So you have to listen to just two voices. Sorry. Not a wide variety of four. Um, so yeah. we are here to talk about uh, Baptist churches, uh, how we function as a church, as we think about why we believe what we believe and why in the world do we exist as a Baptist church? Uh, and so we've been kind of going through uh, the basics of what we believe about the church, how it, what it is, how it should function, so on and so forth. Uh, last week, we talked about how um, uh, the members of particular churches, so we talked about who should be a part of a particular church. What does the word of God say? And we saw that it's made up of people who um, profess the gospel and they show forth that faith um, by not contradicting that gospel with their lives. Um, we will see fruits of faith and repentance in their lives. And um, these are people who have responded to the call of the gospel, uh, believed in Jesus Christ, found salvation in him. And um, they show this forth in, the, in, the, in a visible way and also give themselves up to a church to uh, walk in a way that, to, to give themselves to the Lord, but to also give themselves to others in love and in service. And that's really what love is, isn't it? Giving ourselves to uh, and for the sake of another uh, person. Well, here we want to this week talk about, okay, so we've got these group of people, these members, these Christians who, who come together and they agree, they consent, they enter into a covenant, kind of like marriage. They kind of decide we are going, they, they all agree because we have responded to the gospel and we accept each other as visible saints, as believers, we are going to come together now as a church in a covenant of sorts uh, together. And so here we, this week want to talk about whenever they get together, what is the power that these churches, whenever they covenant together, they've come together as a group of believers, what kind of power do they have? Um, what kind of authority do they have as a church? And uh, that's what we're going to talk about uh, uh, this this week. Um, this is from paragraph seven of the Second London Baptist Confession, which you can find online. And it says this, to each of these churches, each of these individual particular local churches, what they're saying, to each of these churches, therefore gathered according to his mind, declared in his word, he, talking about Jesus, right, has given all that power and authority, which is in any way needful for their carrying on that order and worship and discipline, which he has instituted for them to observe with commands and rules for the due and right exerting and executing of that power. So it's highlighting here something that um, is important in Baptist church life. And Tim, you could probably talk about this uh, at the very beginning, which is that um, we believe that the, the, the local church has been given complete, um, overall power, right? So we don't, we don't have, um, well, we are a part of the Southern Baptist convention. We're a part of the Southeastern Baptist association. Those groups do not have church power over us. Correct. Right. Yep. Not uh, at all. Yeah. So, uh, and that's because of our understanding of what church power is and what a church is and, and so on. So, 
Um, first of all, I want to highlight this. He says this. This is this is particular church power. So we're talking about power here, um, and we can sing that song right there. It's power, 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 power. So this is particular church power. Christ has given this power that we're going to talk about today to gathered churches not to any other group or person. So, for instance, the power that we're going to talk about today has not been given to a leader or a leadership group inside of a local church. So, the power that we're talking about has not been entrusted simply to one pastor or even to the pastoral staff or to the pastoral staff and the deacons or to the trustees or to any kind of group of elders, correct? Um, it's not been this, this power we're going to talk about is not given to any group within the church. It's given to the whole church, Mm -hmm. correct? All the members together, every single person who is, uh, consented and entered into this, uh, church covenant, this covenant together has this power. So it's not given to a leadership group or a leader inside the local church. It's also not given to a leader or a leadership group outside the church. So some churches like the Roman Catholic Church or the Episcopal Church have bishops um, who are, you know, uh, I guess, something, I don't know how they would exactly phrase it, but they're kind of like senior pastors who pastor all these other congregations and other pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't believe that they actually have this authority we're going to talk about today. Um, so no leadership group, no denomination um, has this power we're going to talk about, no um leadership group of, you know, of pastors getting together has this power. Um, also, the power we're going to talk about today for is for churches. It's not for uh, Bible studies right. or ministry groups or Christian colleges or parachurch ministries. Those can all be good things, but they're not churches. And therefore, the power that we're going to talk about that has been given to the church is not given to those groups, correct? Yeah, I mean... Because sometimes we see, and this is important though, because sometimes, uh, I don't know if you've found this, but like principles will be taken that would actually more strictly apply to like church discipline. And sometimes you see those things being uh, almost talked about as if those applied in all these other instances as well. I think there's principles that we should want to follow as Christians, but it's just very important that we understand there's a but there's a there's a categorical difference between a Bible study, a parachurch ministry, and the local church. Just don't yeah. forget that distinction. I think. Yeah, and that that has been very muddied today with all other kinds of things where people will be a part of different parachurch groups, whatever that might be. It may, maybe we should explain what that is. I don't. I don't know. What you? What do you think? I mean, how would you? Explain I mean, that? I can think of ones that are. Uh, you try to think of like common ones would have been. Uh, they call it crew now, but it used uh, to be Campus cr- Crusade yeah. for Christ mm-hmm. was a real popular one. That's not a church. That's a parachurch group. Um, and parachurch has the idea, right, that they're theoretically supposed to be. They're not the church, but they're coming alongside coming alongside the church to help the church. Or, or like uh, today, it could be podcasts. It could be the Gospel Coalition. It could be a uh, seminary. Fam- focus on the family. It could be a seminary. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. These things that, uh, to me, sometimes they definitely overstep their bounds. Or like, uh, I, I could pick on one that I like. I like. Uh, I talk about Alistair Beggs. What's his called? Truth for Life. Truth for Life. That is not a church. Right. Right, it's not a church, and you can't join Truth for Life Church. It's not, it's not meant to be a, a church. Mm-hmm. And, and other pastors have their own ministries or whatever. Those aren't those aren't churches. 
Right. And scripture, we believe, has given specific power to churches and to nobody else. And mm-hmm. like you said, sadly, though, you start to see sometimes those groups get big. Yeah. Or they get popular and they start to function as their own entity in the end. Mm-hmm. Instead of what they were designed for, at least you would hope that's what they were designed for, was the end wasn't their group. The end was to get people into the local church. Right. Because that's so, so a lot of them start out as like evangelistic things of getting sure. into the school. Young Life is one now mm-hmm. that you see around. Like that's what it should be. Uh, evangelism geared towards now, let's get these kids involved in local churches because Young Life or Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew or whatever, and there's other ones, mm-hmm. these aren't church these aren't going to meet the needs that these people need spiritually Mm because only the church has been given the power to do that right not them and again right you and i are not saying that these things are bad no in in and of themselves they can be very good and they can be very helpful but they're not but it's just important for them and many of them would agree with us when we say this they are not the church yeah another one would be uh winter jam concerts Mm -hmm. Sidewalk Prophets, who we've had here, right? People will go to those concerts. That's not the church. Right. You know, they, and I don't think they would say they were. Right. Uh, but some people act like that is. Sure. And that's their form. And no, that's not what they are. That's mm-hmm. not what they're, mm-hmm. that's not what they're meant to be. That's not what right. they're for. Um, they do not have the power that the church has. Yeah. So that the power we're going to talk about has not been given to any of these things as important as those things may be. Right. Um, this power has been given only to each church that is gathered together as a particular church. So a few verses um, that you can think about as far as um, like, where are we getting this from? Well, for instance, whenever we read in Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus goes through the steps that, um, you know, if we find a brother in the Lord, uh, someone who professes to be a Christian and then they are engaged in sin um, and it's serious enough for us to go and, uh, you know, because much sin in the church, we just simply love just needs to overlook those things um, because who among us is is, um, is perfect. But if something is so serious that we feel like I need to go address this with this brother and we know about it, um, he says this, Jesus tells us if he refuses, if this person, we go and talk to them, but if he refuses to listen to us or to another, you know, we bring together one or two others with us. He says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's, it's, it's very important. He says, he doesn't say, tell it to the apostles. And he doesn't say, tell it to the pastors or tell it to the deacons or tell it to some leadership group within the church or tell it to the bishops outside the church. Tell it to the gathered congregation. Um, and ultimately it is the, the congregation that is given this power of binding and loosing it, Jesus gives, which he there is talking about the, um, uh, saying this person now has, uh, so transgressed the church covenant, so to speak, that we now have to, as you preached recently on, 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 uh, first Timothy, they must be handed over to Satan. They must be excommunicated or put outside the bounds of the local church with the hope that they will come back um, in repentance and faith to rejoin that. But here we find that power is entrusted to the whole membership 
of this church. Yeah, so how, uh, <clears throat> just think about this, because you keep saying very clearly, it's not given to a pastor, it's not given to elders or to deacons, mm-hmm. um, which I which is, which is I agree. But it, but realistically, how does it play out yeah. a lot in the church? You know, like, yeah. like, like what you're talking about, let's say there's somebody in the church and they're, they're starting to cause disruption. They're starting to, let's say, even you know, teach something heretical, sure. right? It's it, and they're not feeling bad about it. They're not trying to repent of it. Yeah. And so the church needs to do something. There is. You're not saying there's no order to how that would be done right. in terms of leadership, right, right? Right. But in the end, the 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 body that makes the decision mm-hmm. has to be the church as gathered a as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like, so it might be. It could be that a member brings it to the attention of a pastor. Right. It's like, this was being taught in Sunday school class. Did you know this? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Okay. So then the pastor has a conversation with the teacher. Mm -hmm. The teacher's like, yeah, I've taught that. And then Mm -hmm. there's a discussion. That's not right. Okay. Discussions kind of fall through. So maybe you bring another pastor along Mm -hmm. or some elders along. Sure. Have that discussion. Still nothing. Okay. Now Mm -hmm. you start bringing more church leadership involved. Like, what should we do here? Mm Mm-hmm. Which eventually would lead to a church, what we would say is like a business meeting or something yeah. where mm-hmm. it gets brought up. Sure. Right? Uh, and then maybe eventually down the road, it would be a church business meeting of we need to remove them from membership and do what Jesus yes. says here, treat them like a Gentile or right. as someone who's right. lost. Someone right. who's lost. Right. Yeah. I think that's an important thing you bring up because we're not saying that pastors um, don't have a a leadership role in this process um, because you're right. Oftentimes pastors are the ones who are going to he- maybe hear about this first or be um, uh, talking to individuals who are concerned in, in matters like this. We're going to probably be more on the front end of these things oftentimes, but uh, ultimately we you know, for instance, you and I, Tim, we have zero power to kick anybody out of this. I'm going to use the phrase kick somebody out of the church. Right. We have no power to do that. I can't, by the the authority vested in in me or mm-hmm. you, um, say, yes, this person is off the rolls. We can't make that decision Mm-mm. because we haven't been given that authority. It's that church authority has been given to the church alone. Now, we, now you you as the, as the senior pastor could if you've been involved in a process over a lengthy period of time and there's somebody in the church who's publicly teaching that Jesus Christ is is not divine equally with the father then you could stand up and you could you could lead the church and say listen as your pastor i think this is this is clearly what the word of god says this brother or sister is clearly teaching this wrongly we're at the point now we're going to have to engage in this this mm-hmm. process of Matthew 18 right. and you can lead that but ultimately, you can't put that person out of the church. Right. That is that is given only to the local body. Um, and also, that doesn't mean that every single individual decision in the church, you know, like, um, you know, we don't have to vote on who is going to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, every single small decision. No. But the final... But the body has given authority to yes. their pastors to do that, right? Right. It's the body who called right. us to be pastors yes and they then have a job description for us in which we fit within the bounds of, yes you make these decisions now if it comes to this level of decision we come back to the church right right and so that authority was given by the church body to do that yes to represent i guess yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think so 
So, you know, there are multiple verses. We, we, we could go to 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 2, where we see um, this Matthew 18, it appears to have been put into practice or being uh, in both of these, these instances by the whole church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present, you are to deliver this man to Satan. But notice he says, when you're assembled, so it's not like uh, whenever there's five of you together at the at the uh, local, you know, whatever, you guys can decide to put this guy out of the church. No, it's whenever the whole church is gathered together as the church, then you guys together have that authority to do this. Or uh, 2 Corinthians 2, where he says he's, he's kind of going the opposite way and says the punishment by the majority is enough. So now I want you to comfort and forgive him because this person apparently has been repentant. And so he's like, now I want you to reaffirm your love for this person by the majority. So again, we, while the, um, what, what seems to be at play here in both of those passages is Paul is giving the, uh, the responsibility and the power and, and is seeming to just imply that the power and authority for ultimately doing these actions is the whole body together. Uh, this, a particular church in Corinth has this, has this authority given to it um, by Christ. Mm-hmm. And so just, I know we spent some time on that, but that's very important. We're talking about the whole membership of the church together. Uh, secondly, underneath this aspect, it's not only particular church power, but it's scriptural power because, um, as this statement says, it is according to his mind declared in his word. So Christ has told us about this power in the Bible again. Um, so, um, a pastor can't come up and on stage and say, listen, I've received a revelation from God. This is what we should be doing in our church or this person should be kicked out or elevated up to some superior position or this or that or the other thing. We don't govern our church based on that. We, the membership of the church has this power only because it has been expressed in the written word of God. Again, we as Baptists ideally are trying to be very scripturally rooted in our practices. Mm -hmm. The Bible is where God talks to us and governs us and where Jesus Christ tells us his mind on these matters. And so we want to be, um, rather than, um, just saying, you know, well, that's, that's good enough. We should desire to be as, um, to do the best we can to match up and conform to the scriptural practice, um, of what Jesus Christ wants us to be as his church. Um, and so this, again, frees us from, from man-made tradition. So we don't also have a pope or um, who can have uh, authority outside of Scripture to direct the church. Or, you know, I think, again, about um, Mormonism, which is not a Christian uh, group, but still they have a president who uh, can receive revelations right. still to change church practice or doctrine. And uh, we don't have that. It is only found... Um, in, in the written word um, as well. Thirdly, this power is delegated. Um, this is important because this is ultimately coming from Jesus himself. He says that this power has been given by Jesus. He, Jesus Christ, has given all this power and authority. So whenever we exercise this power and authority as the church, it's very important for us to remember we don't have this by right. 
We only have this because Jesus has given it to us. He's delegated it to us. Um, we kind of think about this whenever we think about, a, um, you know, as a, uh, in, in our federal government or whatever, right? We elect people and we delegate them mm-hmm. to exercise power on our behalf uh, for us. And similar, and, but, but ultimately we still have this idea that they should, the ultimate final power is the people, so to speak, right? Well, similarly for us as Baptists, we believe ultimately Jesus Christ is the one who gives this a power, this power to local churches, and it's all delegated from him. Uh, so, so we can't just make this stuff up. We have to have it, um, come from Jesus and given to us, um, by him, um, as well. Anything you want to add about that? Yeah. I mean, this is where, like, I think about, um, since we're in Timothy, I think about that, but like Paul instructing Timothy or whenever we see it with, um, pastors and churches and scripture, it was telling them, remember to teach what you have been taught. Yeah. Right. In the word who you are in Christ. There's never this idea of the special, like you were talking about the special revelation or the change to what was going to be taught down the correct down the road. It was always hearkening them back mm-hmm. to the scriptures, to Christ, to who he is. That was always the center, the central thing, uh, which is being expressed here in what you were talking about, right? Christ expresses this power through the written word. We see that, but then how Christ has given power and authority uh, to the churches. And that's mm-hmm. where we, we see that. But what is the power and authority again? It can't be overstepped, right? This is, and it must be defined really well. This mm-hmm. is what our authority is: it's to teach the word, and to, right. That's yes. it. That's really right. What we have, right? I don't have. Yeah, it's it's delegate. We're going to get to this too, and I think this is a very important point about the define. Uh, this power yeah. is limited, mm-hmm. and and I think that's a very important um, uh, point to highlight because, well, well, the next thing we actually are going to talk about though here is is the fact that it's sufficient. This is a really big deal. I think this key idea right here is sometimes, in, and I personally don't like the phrase whenever people will say, well, we as Baptists believe churches are autonomous mm-hmm. or independent because sometimes that conveys to people that we think local churches, uh, they just don't need anybody else. You know, and it's kind of conveying something I think that we're not meaning because we have associations. We obviously mm-hmm. think local churches need to be in communion with each other. But the idea of sufficient power, I think, is is a better way maybe of expressing this because it says here in this statement that Jesus Christ has given all that power and authority, which is in any way needful. So what we are saying, though, is that all the power that, that a local church needs to have in order to conduct itself as the church has been given to it itself as the local church. So um, it's not like we need, we need, again, we don't need a bishop outside of the local church to come in and tell us how we should run the church here. We don't need a board outside of the church to come in and tell us this is the way we need to have things run. Jesus Christ has given our membership, our gathered church, this whole congregation, sufficient authority, all that power and authority which we would ever need doesn't mean that we have all of it. So it it doesn't mean that he's given us all power and authority beyond that, which we need, but only that, which we need to have done. He's given us sufficient power. So 
What do we need done in the church? And this is, this is again, going to highlight the second part, the, the next point, which is going to be tied in. But it says, for carrying on that order, that, that in other words, God's arrangements, God's commands in worship and discipline. So God has not given the church the power to, um, you know, for instance, uh, it's not our job to go out and fight the political battles of this age. Right. We don't have sufficient power for that, nor have we been even delegated that power to do that. The church is not called to do that as the church gathered. We don't, we only have the sufficient power to do those things that are needed, especially and particularly when it comes to worship and uh, um, doctrine and things like that. Um, anything like that before we go into the defined part, which I think is going to be really important. Yeah, no, let's go. Okay. Last part here. It's defined or limited because Christ has given uh, this power in or for worship and discipline, which he has instituted for them to observe with commands and rules for the due and right exerting and executing of that power. This is very important because our power as church is limited to only those things. It says explicitly that Jesus Christ has instituted for us to observe. So, again, we as a church and as a congregation cannot institute or we don't have, we have zero power as a church to require anybody to do anything that the word of God that Jesus doesn't tell them to do. I mean, our power is we we are restrained in our power. Our powers are limited. We talk about this with uh, our US Constitution, right? Um where we have uh, questions about, well, what does the constitution say about the defined powers of the president or the judiciary or the legislative branch? Um, and you'll have questions and we've had questions in the history of our country about, um, how loose or strict should we interpret the constitution? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, I think I can find that power for the president here in these words. And other people are saying, no, 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 we can't be so loosey goosey on that, that we can drive a truck through that. Mm -hmm. We have to be very strict about these things. And it seems here, our Baptist forefathers were saying, the only power we have as a church gathered together with members is to only do those things that Jesus has instituted for us to observe. Yeah, so this is something that we talk about, right? Because from the pulpit, when we're gathered together on Sunday, what we tell the church to do must be true according to Scripture. Yes. So something, and people probably don't think about this, but when we say, stand we're going to sing we're telling you to sing right and it's the appropriate thing to do it but it needs to be scriptural and the reason why why can i may ask you this and i know the answer why is it that we can because of the power entrusted to us as a congregation and exercised in this way through the leadership of pastors on stage Mm-hmm. during the public worship service, why can we ask people, or maybe not even ask, but tell them to sing at this moment? Why do we have that right? Because scripture tells us to sing in worship. Right. So right. Jesus says to so do Jesus this. Jesus says to do that. Or open the Bible where you're going to hear preaching now. Right. This right. is a command given mm-hmm. in scripture to do. Or um, we take an offering. Because we see that in yeah. the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I can't, I don't have the right and the mm-hmm. authority to do that. And so I don't, like I'm not, I'm not comfortable to stand and say, uh, all of you able should join the military. Right. It's out of my bounds. Right. Right. Or, or, uh, you guys all have to vote. 
tomorrow we're voting. Everybody, if you're going to be a Christian, you all have mm-hmm. to vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, scripture doesn't really say that. It's kind of it's out of my right. It's out of my bounds. Or, you know what? We should all go on a diet. Everybody, we're dieting. Well, let's be honest here. This is going to be something that I don't know if it'd be very popular to say, but like we're getting ready to come up on the season of Lent. Mm-hmm. Our Baptist forefathers, yeah, were not saying you can't fast. In fact, they thought fasting is a great thing mm-hmm. uh, at appropriate times and seasons. But the church does not have the the right to decree Force a, a forty day fast that Jesus never commanded. Mm-hmm. Now there they would now for instance if you want to do that by yourself knock yourself out mm-hmm. well, you know whatever you I mean as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and whatever and you're not saying that everybody else has to do this to be a to be close to the Lord uh, okay whatever but the minute that you start saying this is what you should be doing as a local church or as a part of our church well you haven't been given that authority um, to do that um, right. So this really, and I and I, was, I I think people, I think this would be actually quite encouraging to the members of our church to realize that we say this because we are concerned for your freedom in Christ. Right. We're not saying this in order to um, be mean or to be harsh, but this is part of your wonderful freedom in Jesus Christ that we're saying. No man can can chain your conscience, and no, and also no congregation can chain your conscience if Jesus hasn't said to do this in His Word. Yeah, and so like you'll see churches. This is common, like uh, big pro life mm-hmm. churches saying, if you want to be a faithful Christian, you should come. You you need to come with us to the abortion clinic and picket it. It's out of your bounds. You can't. Yeah. You can't force that right on them. Right. Right. Now you can. You can speak of what Scripture says about conception, mm-hmm. about life in a womb, about uh, creation. You can speak to all that. That stuff's all scriptural. But when you start forcing these extra things, mm-hmm. you know, is that a bad thing to do? Not necessarily. But is it a sinful thing to not do it? No. I mean, you, and that's where people start to overstep their their bounds, right? You yeah. just don't have the right to do that. And so uh, that's something I think we try to take pretty serious when it comes to uh to preaching and teaching especially especially from the pulpit mm-hmm. when we're all gathered together now and i've said this before and mm-hmm. i think you would agree too it's like if you want tim's opinion sure I'd be more than happy to talk to you about tim's opinion on a later mm-hmm. <laughs> at a later time yeah um but standing here and preaching from the word of god like we all want to hear from god this morning mm-hmm. and this is the means by which it's going to be done by singing and by preaching I can't then go and interject Tim's opinions or or thoughts necessarily of well this would be a this would be I mean I shouldn't say it that way because there would be times you might say this would be a good thing to do there's nothing wrong with I guess saying that but when you start kind of putting it as authority yes and you use it as as authoritative mm-hmm. um you have to be careful. careful so like <clears throat> so like for me this would be one. I wish everybody would come to church on Sunday night. I would love to be able to stand in the pulpit on Sunday morning and be like, all of you are being unfaithful if you don't come back tonight. But I don't know if I have that authority and that right. You know, I think it'd be wise for them to come to sing again, to worship again. It's a privilege we have here. It's a, it's a great benefit to do that. 
But it, I think that's just overstepping to be authoritative in it and say you are sinning, right? You are yeah. dishonoring God. Or or like, are you a part of a Bible study? Because there are people that get together in Bible studies in our church. Sure. We can't say you are sinning right. if you're not a part of a Bible study. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're not... We're not told that in the Bible. All right. We are told that you're supposed to hear the word of God, uh, receive it, treasure it, um, make the best use you can of it and re- read it, you know, whatever. Um, but we're not told that we have to be a part of a Bible study um, to do that. Or are you listening to Smile FM every day, right? Um, that's fine if you want to. But you're not, I can't go and tell somebody that you're sinning if you're listening to sports radio in the morning. <laughs> right. Correct? So, I mean, all of these various things, I think, um, again, what we're saying is, and I think what our Baptist forefathers were saying, is there was a great concern. Because and one of the reasons why and this is helpful for people um, to understand is this this statement that we're, we've been working through is kind of a template to understand Baptist church life um, was written in England. And at this time, also remember, there was the state church, which was the Church of England, which is Anglicanism as we know it today. Well, one of the things, they were different when it came to the rule of understanding worship. They thought, as long as a church, a church can tell you what to do, as long as it doesn't contradict God's word. Mm-hmm. So they can institute a day of fasting or, or a season of fasting for you, as long as it doesn't contradict God's word. Whereas our, our, our Baptist forefathers were saying, no, it's only those things that Jesus tells us to do that the church has any right to tell us to do. The rest of the things are left to Christian freedom. So our Baptist forefathers were actually saying what the church has the power to do is actually much more limited than the Church of England's power. Mm-hmm. But our freedom is much wider to serve Christ in, in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's also something in the background of, of what was going on here. Um, our Baptist forefathers were saying, no, we are commanded to get together on the first day of the week to sing, read, preach, pray, baptize, take the Lord's Supper. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and really outside of that, you can do things for edification and for loving service. But when we are gathered together as church, those are the only things you're, you're allowed to to do and and so some people think well that's it but the reality is is whenever you um this is one of those in, those times where like in angels in the outfield where less is more <laughs> um because actually whenever we do those things we're actually focusing on the most important things right um that Jesus has instituted and what a wonderful confidence, by the way, you as a, as the main, you're the main preacher for our church. So whenever you get up to preach the word or I get up to pray or read the scriptures, it's so much better to know I'm doing the things that Jesus explicitly tells us to do. I don't have to worry about that. Right. I, I don't have to worry if my made up inventions or, you know, is, uh, is this, um, you know, is this, uh, special, you know, cause some churches will have dances for their, for their interpretive dances for their church service. Yeah. I'm so thankful that as a church, we don't have that because the reality is, is Jesus didn't institute that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't have to worry, um, about trying to create things to get people saved or to know the Lord or to be excited because Jesus does the saving and he's 
told me exactly how he does it through his word. And he's told me how he, you know, preaching and reading that word and singing that word and praying that word and baptism of the Lord's Supper. It's just, it takes the pressure off. And so you have so much more confidence, I think, in public worship and and in ministry and and as a Christian. I I think it just strengthens your confidence. It doesn't destroy it. It only increases it. Yeah, because again, it's not on us. You know, it's not on us trying to be creative. It's not on us trying to think of what's going to, what's going to lead people to God today. Like right. we don't have to think about that each week. God's right. given us that. Let's right. do those. Let's, let's do those things. Let's hold fast to those mm-hmm. things and let's trust in, you know, we keep talking about the word power. Let's trust in the power mm-hmm. of God, not in the power of me mm-hmm. in the, in my power and what I think I can come up with. Because if we're going to trust in Tim's power, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of humans who in their power, they can gather a crowd and they can do a lot of great things, but it's not the power of God. Right. Right. It's not going to be effective like the power of God. And that's what we want to see. I, I, I want to see faithful brothers and sisters in the Lord who are faithful all the way to the grave mm-hmm. and who get to enter into the kingdom of God hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. Right. And it's not based on their accolades. It's not based on anything. Whether they know it's based on the power mm-hmm. of God that worked in their life. Mm-hmm. That that's our goal. That's our that's our motivation, and it can only be done by this—the power that has been given to the church, uh, not power that we try to steal or take or make up. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful, because in our sinfulness, we often want to stray from that mm-hmm. and come up with other things. And that's why you see it be so effective. Uh, a lot of churches who do that, they stray, and they're doing it in their own power. And the reason they're drawing a crowd is because those people don't want to just follow the power of God mm-hmm. either. They want the power of man also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it leads to it leads to uh, success in the eyes of man at times, mm-hmm. but not success when it comes to the power of God, right, right. to the work of God. Yep. And, uh, and so hopefully we can do our best here to remain faithful, mm-hmm. uh, to, to work with the power God has given us, mm-hmm. nothing more, nothing less. Right. Yeah. So we just trust the scriptures. Um, Again, trust God to work through that. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this. Um, We will continue next week, uh, hopefully with uh, all four of our participants here so you can listen to more than just me and Tim. Uh, I mean, it's pretty good just to listen to us, though. (laughs) So, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Take care, and God bless.